Okay, Tzorayim Tov, we continue in the Sefer Nefesh Shimshon. Yesterday we uh, explained the last things we have to say about the Shema, and we're saying the Shema is the real truth, and we said there's a big difference between just saying Hashem Elokeinu Hashem, and then the word Echad. Hashem Elokeinu Hashem, that's the reality. Echad is that we're saying that we accept that reality. Okay, at that moment, at that moment, we're returning back to Hashem. He gave us that information, and now we say yes, we totally accept that idea. And at that point, Hashem gives us divine assistance to understand the depth of what it means. Echod, not just Hashem is the whole reality; He is everything. The depth of that, and our eyes are left to open to really live. With that reality that we can't do a thing without Hashem. Good. Now we come to Baruch Shem Kavod. Now we're ready for Baruch Shem. So now, why do we say Baruch Shem? Because up to now, we have not um, come up with anything new. We said we're willing to give up our lives. We accept this reality of Hashem 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 we haven't really created anything new. It's all true, but that's a true reality with or without us. And that's not the point of Kriyashma. It's not the ultimate goal of Kriyashma, just to repeat truths and ask Hashem to help us to understand that truth and to accept that truth. That's not the goal of Kriyashma. And we just ended off yesterday, and we'll say that example again. A father asks a child for something, a glass of water, and the child comes back and gives him more than what he asked. He gives him an espresso, right? So what is this child showing? He's showing the love he has for the father, the deepest connection and feelings that he has for his father. Certain things we're not commanded to do. We're not asked to do, but we have a burning love that's burning inside of us, we want to show that. Same thing with Hashem, and that's why the Jerusalem Talmud says the words of the rabbis are more precious to Hashem than the words of the Torah. Torah says what you got to do. The rabbis are telling us we'd like to do more than what Hashem is telling us to do. So let's say the Jewish people, they left Egypt, says the Medrash, in the merit, we did not change our names, we did not change our language our clothes. There's no biblical prohibition of changing your name and your language. But when you show that, that reveals the true essence of what's inside of you. That you really want to be a Jew inside. That connection is strong. You don't want to go by a strange name. And therefore, this gets expressed in many types of conduct that we see. For example, um, is there an obligation to say Shira Shira before Mincha? You obliged? No. Is that obligation to say Shira Shira after the Seder at 2 o'clock in the morning? No obligation at all. Okay. There's no there's no law in the Shukra that says you have to do this. Not even in the Kisvi Arizal. So what's this custom for? The custom is very simple. You love Hashem. It's burning in your heart. And you want to give Hashem a kiss. That's not something you can command. A kiss comes 
from the depths of one's heart, from a de deep desire. And if you kiss because you have to kiss, that's not a kiss. If there's protocols that require you to give someone a kiss, then it's not a kiss. It's only a voluntary thing. Okay, that is, we will see, the Yisod of Baruch Shem. It doesn't say in the Torah Baruch Shem. That came from Yaakov. Yaakov represents the Jewish heart. It's not part of the mitzvah. The mitzvah is, There's no mitzvah Baruch Shem. But it comes from an inner desire of a Jew, and that began with Yaakov Avinu, because he's the heart and the source of all the Jews, and all the Jews came after him. Again, a simple mushal will explain this. Okay, this past Sunday, a lot of people in the world were watching a, uh, a game. More than, more than watch the moon landing. Yeah. There are people watching a game. Now, there's all kinds of people who are watching the game. Now, who can you, how can you tell if somebody really loves it? You know what? They came hours early. They had a tailgate party. If they had one, I don't know. Of course they It was there. The game officially starts at 6.40. People are there already at 3 o'clock, making a day out of it. And then not only that, but then when the game's over, just want to sit and enjoy, especially if you're the winners. Or let's say even on the radio and television, the radio and TV didn't start at 6.40 at the kickoff. Pre no, pre-game, the pre-pre-game analysis and some people from 1 o'clock on, they got to really get this good. And then post-game analysis that goes well into the night. And then, of course, the next day you talk about it at work and give your opinion on this. Why? Just watch the game and leave. No, 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 no. We, we love this. And obviously, if you love something, you're going to come earlier. You're going to stay late. The, who went to that game and said, okay, what, what is the latest I can come and still be uh, socially acceptable? Can I come in the second quarter? And can I leave in the beginning of the fourth quarter? the presentation, the, the cup, the Super Bowl cup, and the most valuable player announcement, and all this, because they love it. They love it. Okay, so do you love Shabbos? Oh, when's the latest I could start? When's the earliest I can end? Okay, if you do it that way, you're still a good Jew. But one thing's for sure, you don't love your Yiddishkeit. Don't fool anybody to think you love your Yiddishkeit. You don't love it. You have to do it. So you have to say the Shema. You do not have to say Baruch Hashem. You do not. But if you want to show your love to Hashem, and you understand what you're saying, then that's and that's the new insight that you can provide. Shema Yisrael Hashem, you haven't done anything. That's a reality if you agree to it or not. Okay, so when you sang Echad, 
It means, okay, I really want to understand that reality. I accept that reality. Wonderful. So what have you done for us? You're, you're accepting what Hashem is telling is reality? Okay, I'm asking to reality. What have you show, What have you contributed to this um, occasion? This morning, it was the recital of Priyashma. Okay, what, what's your part in it? So your part of it is to do more than just bring a glass of water. Your part is to bring this espresso. Your part is to say, I'm not just saying the Shema. I'm showing my love to Hashem. Now, how does this happen? That's the discussion we have to now go into. But this is where we understand what the greatness of Baruch Shein is. So, Gamarim Sachim, you know, discuss the challenge over here. Should we say Baruch Shein Kavod in the, with the Shema? Well, Moshe didn't tell us to do it. Should we not say it? Yaakov said it. So he said, we'll do it quietly. And they give an analogy to the, the princess who smells a very unroyal type of food. Of course, the princess has to eat very refined food, you know, uh, a poached salmon on a watercress uh, uh, thing over there with all kinds of things. And she's smelling some cholent. Wow, that's kashmak. Fried chicken. Oh, that's mamish kishmak. And, and her servants say she really wants the fried chicken. So should we uh, should we go into the royal kitchen and say, the princess wants chulant. Whoa, that's going to be uh, very disparaging. The princess wants chulant. Not to say anything. She's not going to get the chulant. She's going to be in pain. So they just quietly went into the kitchen and made a little chulant without telling anybody and gave her some in the back. Okay, now usually an analogy has to give us further understanding of what's going on over here. So what do you mean? So we said, okay, same thing with the Shema. We just say it quietly. So what's going on? So putting the pieces of the analogy together, it seems that Shema is the royal food and Baruch Shein is the chulant. That's, that's what has to be the analogy. And it seems that um, you're supposed to say the Shema. That's the royal food. And the Cholent is not so good. Or is it done clandestinely? Is that why you whisper? Well, that, that's why you whisper. It's that's more like the analogy. that We're doing it quietly. Oh, I understand. So that seems what the analogy is saying. The analogy seems to be saying, Baruch Shem is nothing great. That's what it's saying, because the cholent. You yeah. want to eat the cholent. If the princess wants but, it, maybe Hashem wants it. No, but that's the princess. That's not the king. Okay. The princess is in the king's house. Right? When you're in front of the king, you eat fancy food. That honors the king. But I want cholent. Royalty does not eat cholent. I'm sorry. So what's going on over here? And the truth of the matter is, on the one hand, for the words Baruch Shem are much less of a mitzvah than Kriyashma. That's the idea. Kriyashma, that's Doraisa. Man, you gotta do that. That's fancy food. Baruch Shem, that's not a mitzvah. At best, it's Tzirabona. So it's not as royal, so to speak. But on the other hand, Baruch Shem is the beauty of the Jewish people. The morale says we say Baruch Shem quietly because it has such a great power 
It's so powerful you can't express it loudly and with power. This is the supernal unity of the Kriyashma. Now, obviously, it's for sure the bigger mitzvah to say the Kriyashma, big Roshim. But the but the Kriyashma, why? Because the Kriyashma is the truth. That's the truth. That's the emes. That's the water. You have to have water to live. But at the end of the day, Shema Yisrael, we got it Sinai. This is the way Hashem spoke. And Baruch Shem is our language. What we speak. So obviously, the Baruch Shem is much less than, than uh, Shema. And when we said once, yeah. The angel also said his name was Baruch Okay, that's another measure. We're going to have to put that to the side right now. Let's... Let's just try to finish this, and then we'll see. We'll see. Okay. But we're not going along that medrash. Those medrash are bringing out different ideas, so we'd have to think about that. When the Jew says, Echod, after Shema Yisrael, you're saying, I agree that it's true. Enod novado. That's the greatness. But here's the problem. Yes, I don't think anybody in this room denies the achdus of Hashem. But it's very hard to live that way on a constant basis. When you say the Shema, you really are thinking about it and, you, and you're agreeing to it. You're accepting the yoke. At that moment, the flash of truth, of light comes in that. And you said, wow, what a powerful statement. I'm committed. I've done the mitzvah. Of what? Of stating the truth. But it's hard to live with that truth all the time. So then we say, Baruch Shem Kavod Malchus Olam Ved. No, we have to know two important words. What does shame really mean? And what does Malchus really mean? Blessed is the honorable name of Hashem, of his Malchus forever. So he said that the word shame, a name, that's the way to identify and recognize someone else. A person who lives in the desert doesn't need a name because no one is ever going to talk to them. Okay. Okay, and Hashem, you know, doesn't need any names, so to speak. But the name of Hashem is the fact for us to know there is a God. Okay, there is a God. Hashem doesn't need a name. We need a way to refer to him. So it's our recognition that there's a God. Malchus means that uh, how the king is perceived in the country. In other words... If you do things because the king said so, then there's malchus. You pay taxes. Why? Because there's a king who's going to get you in trouble if you don't. If you don't pay taxes, then you're revolting against the malchus. For example, when Avi Gail meets David, who wanted to kill Novo, she said, don't do it yet because nobody yet knows you're the king. They don't. No coins with your face have been sent out yet. Only when the kingship is recognizable and it's in force can we say that there's kingship over there. Okay, when you're using the coinage, you're buying things, and it only is worth it. It's only legal tender if the king's face is on it. Ah, oh, that shows the king rules over here. Okay, that's a king. And uh, even if he don't live next to the king, but his power and reach are intermingled in every single thing that's going on. 
So the shame is the recognition that there's a God and the Malchus shows how far his power extends. So when we said Shema Yisrael, which is the ultimate truth, we now make a request from Hashem, which is Hashem, we want to live based on this truth that we just said. We know the truth is that you are one. But as soon as we get out of shul, right, all that, all that happened to the one is, okay, what do I need to do? We go back to our routines. We go back into the darkness. We don't have a Beis to be able to see that truth. Very shul, very few shuls are um, characterized in such a way. Okay, we don't have the eyes to see the truth. Right? But, uh, but now... Okay, maybe in shul here, okay, good. We we see it, we feel it. What do we do when we come back? We leave, go into our car and go in. So we ask Hashem, Baruch Shem Kivod Machus Open up the bracha, not just with Echad. Not that we've agreed to what's going on. And we're saying, Hashem, we're committed to the concept, but we want the Shem Kivod Machus we want the way that you are recognized and that your <clears throat> your power and your reach should be recognized and that I should live in a way that somebody could see that you are, that by looking at me, they can tell that I know there's a king there. I recognize the king and your power is affecting the way I act. And therefore, Baruch shame is a part of the Kriyashma, but it's our part of the Kriyashma. If we have said Shema, we've accepted the yoke of heaven, when we say Echad, that's in the mind, that's in the theory, and that's very true, but that's still not the beauty of accepting it. The beauty of it is when we are now giving God's power to us in every aspect of our life. When we accept that kind of yoke of heaven, right, then Kedusha pours all over our body parts. Then we say, We say the 248 words, which are the 248 body parts. Because that came, so the Shema is the truth. That's, you cannot change that reality. The best we can do is agree to reality. I agree to that reality. But what have you done for me, says Hashem? So Baruch shame that's not the reality. It's how I relate to that reality. There's a shame. Your, your name, I recognize you as that. I recognize you as the king. And my behavior, God, I wanted to conform to that. And that's, in other words, it's not just, God, I'm going to give you the water. I'm going to give you the espresso. That's what it is. It's it's not if I really understand that you are so powerful and so kind and so good, do you think I'm happy just doing what I'm supposed to do? I I, I want to do much more. That's really showing that that it's coming from me and I want it. Okay. And that we want that to affect each and every Jew. So now we'll come back and see Yaakov. Yaakov saw his twelve sons. The 12 Shvatim, 
it refers also to the 12 constellations. It's the whole world. He sees the whole world within the Shvatim. And the Shvatim are their own world. He turns to them and says, maybe you got some criticisms. Maybe somebody here is not interested in coronating the king. And they all said, Shema Yisrael. Shalom Shem Right, just like you only have one God, so we only have one God. We totally get it. And then Yaakov says, if that's the case, let's ask for more. Let's ask for Baruch Shem Kavod Malchus that we should live in that reality. And that is the challenge for the brothers. If you really live with Echad, how could you still suspect Yosef? So in theory, yes, we believe in Hashem. Okay, good. But if that's so, is God's power reaching you? That's that's what Yaakov knew what was going on here. So they said, Shema Yisrael, we totally believe in Hashem. But Yaakov was sort of hinting them, yeah, but do you live in that reality? So therefore, when we come to the time, we say, okay, listen, Listen, Shema, we got to say Moshe said it. Now, what about Baruch Shein? Well, Moshe didn't tell us to say it, so why do we got to say it? We don't have to say it. But then, wait a minute, but Yaakov said it, which means what? But Yaakov was saying, I want to do more than accept that. I want to show you how much your power is real, mamish real to me, and I want to do more. I'll do as much as possible. So Yaakov said that, but God's not demanding that from us. So it's like, but it's something I really, really want. So how, this is something that's very, it's not the usual, it's something unusual, but I really want it. But how could you, how could you even, even say that? You know how arrogant you might be by saying that? Okay, well, listen, it's, you know, you know, we know here is a great expression. This Baruch shame that's being whispered, we could say is the assault for refraining from PDA, public displays of affection. Right, which I understand Super Bowl, there was a lot of that going on from what I hear. Some people watching just for it's not. It's not a place, Shema Yisrael is not a place for a PDA. Well, really, it could be a PDA. Private display of affection. Change, change, change the thing. Right. Private. You, you really, you really feel that way? Say it quietly. Say it quietly, because you know not everybody can say it. To say it out loud, and you don't mean it, that would be a lie. So you whisper it. You whisper it and say, "I really, I really do love you." So you're talking to yourself. To, yeah, so to, to speak. So to speak. But that—that that is really the. The punch, that's what it's all about. It's saying, I want to really, it, it's not enough to say, I intellectually understand what this really means and I accept it upon myself, but from acceptance to living with it, that's a whole different story. And that's why the first Shema is Yehude Eloi. It's called the higher unification. Why? Because that's the, the real truth. In the higher realms, there is no, no matter what we do, there's no other reality than no, even when the whole world goes against Hashem, it's still He's the only one. So now what's left? 
below, to crown him below, to unify him below. That's what we're saying. I want in my life that you should, I should recognize you and my behavior shows I recognize your kingship and that's the way I, be, I behave. And that's the, the essence of Baruch shame, and that's the knockout punch. So therefore, a whole year long, that's a little bit difficult and presumptuous. So on Yom Kippur, though, we could say it out loud. You see, so the Malachim, if you think about this, the Malachim also want to do more than what Hashem says. I think the Malachim are just happy to do what Hashem says. They can't do it. No, they know what Hashem wants. But they can't go beyond no, it's not to do a different shlichus, but to do the shlichus in the best way possible. They only want to do what Hashem wants. So the Malachim can say that. And that's when the Jews said, Nasev and Ishma. They said, how did the Jews know this? This is, what the, this is how the Malachim operate. What does that mean? That's how the Malachim operate. They want to say, it doesn't matter what you say. I'm going to do it because I know what you're saying is great. If you know what a person saying is great, that means you want to even do more, if at all possible, to do even more. So this is a secret of the Malachim. So now this is a real chutzpah. Malachim can do that. Malachim understand the reality, and they live in the reality. They really mean Baruch Shem. Now we might say it, but that might just be a, what's the word? Uh, when you... Yeah, but there's a nicer way of saying lip service. It's like a, a wish. I, I forgot what it's, there's a fancy word for it. Not a, you know, it's like you're saying it and you wish that would be, what the same way they were trying to say with from the river to the sea, an aspiration. That's it. When we say Baruch Shem, you could say it's an aspiration. It's a great English word, aspiration, because aspiration really means I aspire for this. Yeah. I don't have to do it. It's an aspiration. You know, I, I wish, I wish. So here's what, is Baruch Shem an aspiration? Or is it Emes? So when a Malach says it, it's a true aspiration. It's not gonna not be. And that's an amazing stage. And the Malachim say it all the time. Because there's no fooling around. Malach knows what Hashem wants. He, he's gonna do whatever more he can do within reason. He can't do more to the point that goes against what Hashem wants. He wants to do it in the best way possible. Right? And that's why he's got wings. He flies. He just flies. He's, he's going fast. Doesn't drag his heels, so to speak. Not to take away, but they don't have a ASR against it. So good. So good. But still, they're gonna they're doing it with love and not going back. Obviously, if a Jew can do it, they're even greater than a mouth because they have to overcome that. That's why we're can be greater than Malachim. But the Malach is not lying. When he says Baruch Shem and he says it out loud, he means it. Now, we're going to have the chutzpah to go and use what the Malachim say. Now, Yaakov could reach such a level. Yaakov is the face on the Merkava. And that's higher than the Malachim. Good, Yaakov can say it. Nothing wrong with Yaakov saying it. But for us to say, oh, this is my aspiration. Hashem, I really, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it wherever I go and this and that. He says, really? You think you're a Malach? But on Yom Kippur, when the true essence of the person comes out, 
at least on Yom Kippur, the aspiration will be real. On Yom Kippur, you want to do more than you can. And that you see that because you see Jews who are not well, and they're not a real from Jew, I'm saying. is going to fast anyway. Even the rabbi says, you don't have to fast. There's no way I'm not going to fast. What do you mean I'm going to fast? You know how many other things you're so lenient in? How about other fast days? You're so careful about other fast days? You're not so careful about other fast days. That you, you, you really, certain things, you, no, you're going to really, gonna really think about it. So that day is the true reality of the person. So that you could talk to say it out loud. But a whole year long, it's so hard to say that, to really be sure that you mean that. And that's how we can probably put the two midrashim together. There's a great love to say it. I, I really want to say it, but uh, you know, you really think you really think you can do that? Okay, so we'll say it quietly. But we know this is exactly how the malachim are. And when we say it, and if we can live that, that makes us so much greater than the malachim. So that is the topic of uh, Baruch Shei. Tomorrow we will move on to. And interestingly, Rapinus does not do anything more on the Shema. And he moves on to the end of that last brach of Ezra's Avoseinu and what that accomplishes for us.